Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Welcome to Jules Says. If I sound a little off, ugh, it's because I had the pleasure of a trip to England last week. And maybe the last few days, I started to get what I thought was a little bit of a cold, which has since morphed into a rager. I'm not too happy about that. I'm kind of afraid to ask Catherine how the children are. I hope to God I didn't make them sick. Anyway, what a whirlwind trip that was. Oh, Catherine and the family have been filming a parenting show, often in the house, which is incredibly taxing on very small children who appreciate routine. They appreciate just playing, having peace, the presence of specific people, you know, as in not a camera crew. I arrived on Saturday, and of course, since Fred hasn't seen me in person since last Christmas, videos aren't the same. Needless to say, he was not exactly thrilled with my presence. Fenna wasn't concerned one way or the other, but of course she still prefers mum, dad, her sister, or Fred's executive assistant, Miriam, to all other people. She graciously allowed me to play with her and smiled, but never for long before she really wanted to go to one of her preferred people. She might have been okay if they weren't around. I don't know. One night I did have to try to get her back to sleep after she woke up. And as soon as she recognized me, she wasn't having it. Violet ended up going up and getting her back to sleep. But you know, if Violet hadn't been there, I would have just managed and we would have been fine. And of course, the main thing small children need from us, aside from their obvious physical care, is time and attention. So, of course, it makes sense that when grandmother isn't regularly available for that time and attention, she doesn't have their full love and trust. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It's just a fact that makes perfect logical sense. So the first day was a bit hectic between me having newly arrived. I never sleep that well on a plane, although God bless Catherine. She flew me business class and I tried. So it's a lot better than sitting up in a seat And of course, the camera crew was there. And poor Fred didn't know what was going to happen. All these people, 
now grandmother. Would mom and dad be leaving for work? Plus, he happened to have a canker in his mouth. And if you've ever had one, you know how awful it is. I felt so badly for him. Thankfully, he was feeling much better and actually warmed up to me a little bit the next day. I know what two-year-olds like. I chased him around and around and around. I hid. He hid. We crashed into the pillows. I played monster trucks and race cars. We read stories. We sang songs. Time and attention. That's the breakthrough. He still prefers the others, of course, but at least he had times where he wanted to play with me. When he's happy, he is as delightful as he is beautiful. If you've ever seen any of his pictures on social media, he is just an exquisitely beautiful-looking child. Nice round head. He's just so cute. I do love a round-headed baby. However, I have to admit, I'm a little exhausted after that extremely busy week and this cold morphing into the raging problem it is. I honestly don't know how Catherine manages everything she does. Yes, she has help, but she's not the kind of mom who just dashes off to do her thing while the nanny looks after the children, or the executive assistant. She gives the children as much time and attention as she can. She enjoys their company. She enjoys playing with them. But it's hard. And I think one of the reasons is because children really do thrive on routine. And even though it's true that I worked full-time when mine were growing up, for the most part, the children knew that every morning we got ready. I took them to childcare until Val had been with us for a while. Then she came to the house. I left for work every day at a pretty consistent time. I was usually home every day at a pretty consistent time. I sometimes had to race, race, race all day to get out of there to be home for supper, but I did it. And when I had to work overtime at night or on weekends, it did throw things off balance, but at least it wasn't every week. They could pretty reliably predict my availability. But Catherine and Bobby's schedules are wildly inconsistent. A film crew at the house. Night work. Afternoon, then night work. Afternoon work, then home in the evening. Catherine had one job while I was there that was almost 24 hours. She arrived home in the morning and immediately took over with the babies because they were thrilled to see her. Then off again that afternoon, home that night, then up through the night with Fenna. And Fred still gets up through the night, too. They don't have a night nurse, which I'm told some people have, which I'm told has been recommended to her. No such thing would have occurred to me. But anyway, I was up with my babies, but my schedule wasn't as all over the map. So I think it was easier for me. And as much as I love those babies, oh my God, I love them. But Catherine is my baby. And I was really thrilled to also have the opportunity to join her for some really fun things. Sunday, filming by day, going out to an open mic comedy gig at night, which I love. If you're a regular listener, you know that I love stand-up comedy in intimate venues. And this gig was in the basement of a pub, which I love, a basement that smelled like a basement, just just a little bit musty. I love that. It also reminds me of um, old Sarnia Little Theater rehearsal hall. It wasn't a basement, but it was this old building that just had this slightly musty scent. I love it. There's a nostalgia to it for me. And I may have been overdressed for the basement pub, but I don't care. Maybe it was the jet lag. Maybe it was the last minute nature of the trip. 
But I thought we were going to an event that night. I didn't really have details of the plans. So yeah, that's why I wore a dress. I thought we were going to some kind of glittering event. A few episodes ago, I talked about a Toronto open mic show that wasn't far from where I live. It was another basement pub show, and I haven't been since. I have to keep going back. I just have been busy. But this London Sunday open mic was so different from the Toronto night. First of all, the basement in the London venue was jam-packed. I just don't think people support comedy as much in Toronto. And I remember years ago when Catherine moved to the UK. I'm sure she told me then that it seemed as though more people support live comedy there. If this pub basement is any example on a Sunday night, that's true. This place was packed which is a big difference from here. Just for Laughs Toronto is on this week, and the pass and credit system, I really like the system. It's designed to get butts in seats, to encourage you to see people who aren't necessarily well-known. Abe and I bought a two-show pass this year. Sadly, I had to miss Michelle Wolf and Carolyn Taylor's screening and Q&A of her new series called I Have Nothing. I've seen it since. I binged it. It's on CBC Gem and Crave in Canada. I don't know where you could get it if you weren't in Canada, but if you want a unique, uplifting, very funny show, I Have Nothing is it. One of the nice things about the JFL Pass is every time you attend a show, you get a credit back. You get it returned to you so that you can use it to attend another show. I just think it's a great way to encourage people to get out Support live comedy, support people you maybe have never heard of. Maybe part of the goal of JFL Toronto is for Canadians to support live comedy like the English do. I think the lineups are sometimes sadly lacking Canadian performers, which I don't understand, but hopefully they resolve that too. But you realize that British humor is so clever for a reason. British humor has a lot of support. And this basement pub show was evidence of that for me. And even though everyone's material didn't necessarily resonate with me, I mean, I don't have a drug problem. I'm not a young person with problematic parents who really can't stand being a server. I've had lots of shit jobs, and I make a game out of them. But none of that mattered because every one of the comedians on that stage was prepared. Every one of them was polished. There were no anxiety-provoking pauses with anyone saying, hmm, okay, huh, what other jokes do I have? Nothing like that. Not one of them blamed the audience or pouted or stormed off if a bit didn't resonate with the audience. If any of them felt less than confident, they protected us, the audience, from seeing that self-doubt. And yes, Just for Laughs Toronto is in progress this week, and the first show I saw after I got home was someone who had four full one-hour shows. Sold out. Abe couldn't even get in to the night I had a ticket for. I thought, wow, I've never heard of this comedian, but JFL is an opportunity to see new people. They must be really good. I don't know how many seats that theater holds. Definitely five or six hundred. Of course, funny is subjective. I'm not going to say this person isn't funny. However, the performer did seem a little unprepared, maybe woefully underprepared, even talked about being unprepared. 
They need their phone. They wish they could be off book, but they just can't do it. They kind of went on a bit about not being able to be off book. And that was in between a lot of umming, aahing, and too much pacing back and forth for my liking. It's possible that the show picked up later, but I wouldn't know because about 20 minutes in, I was overcome with a coughing fit and had to race out of there. Thank goodness I was sitting at the back. When Andrew Johnston, L.A.-based comedian, was here this summer, I was chatting to him about this very subject, and he mentioned a quote about having that on-stage confidence, which I realize isn't easy to get, but I think the confidence is important. I've asked Andrew to send me what that quote actually was, because I can't remember Hi there, Julie. It is Andrew Johnston coming to you from the uh, formerly Strikeville, well, still currently sort of Strikeville, USA, Los Angeles, California. Uh, this is a very elegant uh, sort of full circle moment because I believe the last time that I was on the pod uh, in May, June, something like that, the strike was just about a month old. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to report that as of last night, just in time for Yom Kippur, I wonder if that was a coincidence or not, but there was a tentative agreement struck between the WGA and the um, goblins at the studio. So that is cool. I am delighted to give you a soundbite that <laughs> we were speaking about last I was in Toronto. Um, and that is just what I always tell younger comedians, and that is, you know, all anyone wants to see is you make this look easy. That is just all anyone wants to see is just go up there and be self-possessed and just make it look easy. Now, it takes a lifetime of work to make it look easy. But yeah, and then I was also saying that that was a version of something that I saw the great Patty Lapone, who I believe is coming to Toronto soon if you're around there. My God, run, don't walk to see her. She is just, she's a powerhouse um, in her 70s now. It's terrific. Anyway, but she had said something on a documentary that I'd seen years ago where she had just seen, she had said, I come out and I see the audience say, like, they know that I know what I'm doing. And that is called command. Like, command is when you come out and people relax because they know that you got this. And as someone who has seen Patty Lapone live before, I can attest, yes, she comes out and you say, oh yeah, she's got this. She's, we, everyone just hitches their wagon to her star and it's a very, you know, <laughs> good ride. Seeing people on stage, specifically comedians who bail on things and just don't do things with intention, that's its own other thing. But I just think, yeah, again, all anyone wants to see from you as a performer is just have, make it look easy. Make it look like you know what you're doing and everyone can just exhale and sigh. Just ah, enjoy the ride. Anyway, I hope you're well. Can't wait to see you soon. And um sorry I couldn't be there in the UK with you and Kath. Uh, but yeah, talk to you soon. Bye. Well, thank you, Andrew. I thought you might email me something I could read, but a soundbite is even better. Lovely to hear your voice. And just for the record, I did indeed run out and immediately buy Patty Lapone tickets for November in Toronto. Well, I didn't run anywhere. I just went online. It's not 1975. But after that show in London, anyway, this, the open mic show, I felt so happy when we got back to Catherine's house. It had been a fabulous day. Bobby mixed me a delicious gin and tonic, and the three of us, plus Violet, enjoyed a nice little kitchen chat. Violet and Catherine headed off to bed, and my son-in-law and I stayed up and chatted over more G&Ts for a little too long. I was pretty tired the next day. I mean, at least I got my late-night 
chat with Bobby out of my system on day two, but you know, I'm getting old. I cannot do this anymore. The week had even more exciting events in store. Fun with Fred and Fenna, going to the park, going to the airport cafe, racing with the buggy, running in the wind, chasing, chasing, racing, then racing some more, racing on foot, pushing a trolley, racing with race cars, racing with monster trucks, tearing apart the furniture to race and jump on piles of sofa cushions, singing and dancing, all the joy and busyness and exhaustion that small children are. Thank goodness they still have a nap. Thank goodness there's a whole team there to help take care of them. Thank goodness for Fred's executive assistant. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Then, one day, I was privileged to attend a screening of the upcoming new season of RuPaul's Drag Race UK. All the queens in person. Michelle Visage in person. The weird thing about me attending these things is that, unlike Catherine, I do not follow celebrity news. I have no idea who anyone famous is, especially in the UK. And and the surprising thing is, not all famous people find it refreshing when an average person like me doesn't recognize them or know they're famous. Catherine introduced me to one beautiful young woman, and the room was loud. I didn't quite catch her name, so I asked her again what her name was. Apparently, that was a huge faux pas. Mind you, an average person would think nothing of this. You didn't hear my name. My name is a bit unusual, perhaps. It makes sense. But when someone is famous, they expect you to know who they are. They expect to be recognized. And maybe they even expect you to feel honored at meeting them personally. But the thing is, I don't know who anyone is. I didn't recognize her. I'm not being rude to them. But how am I supposed to know you're famous? You have to be really, really in your face, a household name in America for me to know who you are. It is not a reflection on the celeb. It's me. I'm sorry, Kath. I never meant to offend anyone. After that, I just didn't ask. I smiled and, I guess, kind of pretended I recognized people who I actually didn't. The sad thing about this screening was... They didn't play the full episode. I had become so engrossed in this episode, 
and was crushingly disappointed not to see the end. All I can say is the first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race UK was fabulous, darling. You must see it all the way to the end. The whole season, it's going to be great. The icing on the cake, of course, for me, was the presence of the beautiful, brilliant, fascinating Emily Dean, who attended the screening with Catherine and me. If you're in the UK, of course you already know and love Emily Dean, but we Canadians and Americans might not. So, I will tell you that I highly recommend Emily Dean's podcast, Walking the Dog with Emily Dean. She has great chats with all kinds of different people, some of whom might not be famous to North Americans, but they're interesting nonetheless, and maybe they should be. And her book. I've read it. It's called Everybody Died, So I Got a Dog. I highly recommend it. It's beautiful. It's it's funny, sad, uplifting, just so good. After the screening, the three of us enjoyed a great, grand, and glorious gals chat over lunch, which I loved. I'm all about the chat. Then Catherine and I headed to the Roundhouse for the Who Cares Wins event, where Catherine presented the Best Midwife Award, fittingly. It was a glittering event full of glittering stars, very few of whom I recognized, and that's okay. They were all very beautiful. Even though I may not recognize very many famous people, especially in the UK, I will say I have some awareness of NHS funding and staffing issues, and I happen to know who Rishi Sunak is, who presented an award that night. And it struck me that it was a little strange for him to be making this speech about how great all the people who are working so hard to overcome hardship are. They're so great. And their hardship is very often due to systemic issues and funding shortfalls, or at least the misallocation of funding. I don't know the details. The praise seemed a little rich, coming from a multi-billionaire who has the power to influence decisions that cause the problems, or could solve the problems, or alleviate the severity of the problems. But you know what? The people who were being honored seemed to appreciate it, so who am I to say? I am the decision maker of nothing. My opinion matters to no one, nor should it necessarily. But it just does seem hard to believe that that it's impossible to staff and compensate healthcare workers properly so they don't become suicidal from burnout or so little boys don't have to climb mountains to raise money. They should have more financial support. We need enough money to live, for heaven's sake. I'm sorry, I'm such a downer, I know. Overall, though, for me, it was a fabulous day, a great day. Work for Catherine, fun for me. I don't actually get out much anymore, although Abe might argue that. And here I was, getting used to wearing my shiny red stiletto heels again. This was great. And of course, unless you're living under a rock, you might have heard the brand scandal swirling throughout the week. I was actually glad I was there so that I had the opportunity to watch the documentary because it was helpful for me to know what people were talking about. And I wouldn't have been able to see that documentary in Canada. 
I was completely unsurprised at how relentlessly so many journalists and clickbaiters harassed Catherine to comment. But at the same time, it was comforting for me to see how calm she remained through their disrespect of her choice to say nothing. The comments from people insisting that if only people had called the police, why did they wait, blah, 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 blah. The fear from men who worry that false accusations could happen to them. Sure, it's possible that someone could falsely accuse someone. And if that happens, it's very serious. And the low statistical probability of a false accusation is no comfort to the accused. I get that. However, when a person is accused over the course of years by multiple people, the heavy smoke may actually indicate the presence of a fire. And the sad thing is reporting an incident has a very unlikely outcome of the desired change. And the other thing is reporting to the police is fraught with issues. I mean, this is not a Canadian or a UK or a US problem. It, it, it's a problem everywhere to some degree. Not long ago, I read Robin Doolittle's Globe and Mail series, Unfounded, which is a thorough investigation of the cases that police dismiss as unfounded without any training or any investigation. It's fascinating. The other, the other reality is a lot of sex pesty behavior isn't necessarily illegal, and it isn't necessarily provable in a court of law. And if it's happening in the workplace, the callers of the shots should be the first responders. Most of us have no desire to ruin someone's life. We just want it to stop. That's the goal. Admit that what you're doing is not cool and stop doing it. Isn't it better to stop the behavior before it escalates to a full-blown legal issue? And the thing that infuriated me most about this whole news cycle wasn't even the relentless effort to link Catherine when she never even named anyone. It wasn't the victim blaming for not reporting it or accusing them of lying for money, although those two things are not new and they are always infuriating. But I think the worst part is the lack of accountability on the part of systems and and the people in charge of those systems who kept brushing the reports aside in support of their cash cow. Not unusual. Money talks. If a sex pest can make you money, protect the sex pest. If it's legal for a grown man to have sex with a 16-year-old girl, oh, we're all good. Nothing to see here as long as it's not my daughter. Some of these production companies and stations <laughs> issued statements to absolve themselves of all responsibility by basically saying they had no evidence of any sexual misconduct. Really, did they look for evidence? Maybe if they'd looked into some of the reports, they might have found some evidence. But oh no, let's not derail the gravy train. This guy's making money for all of us. We don't have proof, so let's just tell ourselves that it's okay to be nice to him, appease him, lunch with him, golf with him, laugh with him, and sweep anything that might upset him or make him look bad under the rug. Let's just convince ourselves that not having conviction-level evidence presented to us in a nice, tidy, irrefutable package is sufficient justification for doing nothing. After all, you didn't see it, so maybe it didn't happen. He's always nice to you. 
he's never tried to shove his dick down your throat, that the decision makers, the people responsible for calling the shots, are the ones who again and again and again look the other way. That's what I find most infuriating. Stop going on about who should have reported when. Stop going on about, oh, you should have gone to the police. Uh Uh-huh. What's that going to get? We don't necessarily want to go to the police. We want to keep our job. We want to feel safe at work. We just want it to stop. And it doesn't just happen in showbiz. The only reason we hear more about it in showbiz is because the assaulter is famous. I subscribe to Carolyn Criado Perez's Invisible Woman newsletter. So should you. This week's headline happened to be, and I quote, A third of female surgeons have been sexually assaulted by a colleague. Hmm. Well, isn't that great? I've included the link in the podcast description if you'd like to read it. But the point is, people somewhere in that system, in every system where this happens, the decision makers are actively choosing to look the other way and let these things slide. This isn't a police issue. It isn't a court issue, a comedian issue. It's a human being issue. The decision makers in all of these systems really just need to stop accepting or even condoning this bad behavior. It's not fair to all the decent people who don't sexually assault anyone. I don't understand why it's so difficult. Oh, because we don't have proof. Then start looking for proof. Even in the absence of proof, can we just maybe start normalizing these difficult conversations with perpetrators? When I had a manager at age 18, back in 1978, when it was considered just fine, when that manager would pat my butt and slide his hand on my waist, I kind of just got out of the way at first. But eventually, I just said to him, please don't do that. Why not, he asked. Because I don't like it. Okay. And he never did it again. A rational, decent person who is testing boundaries will accept the clear, firm statement. A clever narcissist will continue to push the boundaries, probably enjoy the fact that you don't like it, but we have to at least try to stop it from escalating early on in the boundary testing phase. If you're a manager or a decision maker and someone comes to you with one of these allegations, trust me, that was not easy for that person to do. We would prefer that it never happened or that it would just stop. We would prefer that we didn't feel so uncomfortable that we had felt that we had to share this story. Can't the manager have a conversation with the guy like, uh, Russ, it's come to our attention that, you know, you've been putting your dick or your hands or your tongue, whatever it is, where it hasn't been invited and you need to stop. Russ will deny it, of course, because he knows what he's doing is wrong, which completely belies the old, oh, men don't even know what they can do anymore line. Yeah, they pretty much do know what they can do, or they wouldn't be sneaky about it. And if they don't know, ask. Oh, no, the guy might protest. Everyone loves my dick. It gets invited all the time. Even if that's true, your dick needs to RSVP no. Look, maybe you thought it was welcome, but you need to stop. Exercise restraint. Your dick has no business acting up in the workplace. We didn't hire your dick. Maybe, maybe they'll be embarrassed that they got spoken to about it. Maybe. Maybe they'll just become enraged. Maybe they'll suspect who told. This is what we fear. 
But the thing is, if it's happening to you, it's probably happening to someone else, and they're going to have a hard time guessing who it is without a lot of detail. Never make the person or people who told what happened work with the pest at all, if possible. I mean, the perpetrator may seek retribution. I had one friend whose colleague would veer toward her in the hallway and shoulder-check her as she tried to get past. Everyone thought he was so quiet. Such a nice guy. Weird, but nice. These guys are sneaky. And if the perpetrator and reporter must work together, make sure they're never at work alone together. Make sure the perpetrator knows he's being watched. And why not announce publicly to the team that there have been allegations of sexual misconduct or even allegations of disrespectful behavior and encourage anyone who witnesses such behavior to come forward? Keep meticulous records of all these conversations. I don't know, maybe that kind of a workplace might become a stifling, unsavory place for a sex pest to want to be. Maybe he'll be motivated to quit. And even if it doesn't change the behavior, you having the conversations and the documented history when you fire them or have to escalate it to law enforcement will give you a stronger case. If you're in a decision-making position, it's your responsibility to deal with these issues. That's why you're getting paid the big bucks. So, yeah, there was that brouhaha. When I came home to Canada, though, the few people I mentioned the story to hadn't heard that much about it at all, which kind of surprised me. You just never know what news gets to whom. It was a very busy week. Catherine had something going on every day and or night, one of which took her away overnight. I did my best to help with the children, but it is a bit difficult since they do prefer the original team. I kind of felt as though I was in the way. On my last day, the baby stayed home with Fred's executive assistant while Catherine, Bobby, Violet, and I headed out to the loveliest party. Bobby and Catherine started the dancing off, which I love watching my girls dance. It's just a joy. And I had never seen Bobby dance. He's quite good. Violet, of course, was mortified, which is so funny to me. She was kind of going, oh my God, and putting her head down and covering her eyes. Those teen transition years are so strange. They're always embarrassed that their parents are human beings capable of of silliness and fun and love and everything else. But not long after everyone was dancing, even old grandmother joined in. I do like to dance if the music tells me. And I have to admit, I exaggerated some of my moves for Violet's benefit as she stood on the sidelines with another young girl around her age, the two of them laughing at our ridiculousness, Snapchatting grandmother's lame dance moves, which doesn't bother me at all. I don't care. Losing your self-consciousness can really be a joy, even if it's only temporary. My flight home the following Sunday was completely uneventful and restful, and now I'm back to my predictable, quiet little life with Grandfather Abe. No racing, no running, no monster trucks, no stories, no songs. Okay, no, there are still songs, but just different songs. Yeah, and there's ridiculous dancing. Yeah, I do dance in the kitchen quite a bit. Thank goodness Abe finds me entertaining. Thank you for listening. 
If you have anything you'd like to share, you can DM me on Instagram or email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week, and I hope you enjoy this beautiful fall weather. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.